Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by Chief Growth Officer of Erwan, Kabir Jain. Erwan Market is a California-based luxury supermarket chain with six locations, soon to be seven, and known in the consumer space as the true mecca for all things health and wellness. Kabir joined the Erwan team in 2019. Prior to Erwan, Kabir was an associate at TSG Consumer Partners and a principal at Butterfly Equity. Kabir, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks for having me. So great to have you on. For our listeners, it would be super helpful to give us a little context on your role at Erwan and then if we could dive into what Erwan is. Sure. I'll do those in reverse and I'll start with what Erewhon is. If you're in LA, you're more than likely to have heard of Erewhon. If you're not, you, you may have not have. At our core, we're a cafe and grocery store. We have six locations around Los Angeles, our seventh opening in a month and a few more opening next year, which we can talk about. And we are a very upscale premium grocery store in kind of everything we do. The brands we carry, our ingredient standards, our positioning, we try to be as premium as we can be on the spectrum. We have very strict standards that we adhere to and really try to live the mantra of if you can come into our stores, you can buy something and feel good about putting that thing in your body. We've been around for a long time. The, the business actually started in Boston, which most people don't know, in the 60s. Uh, that closed down. The store in West Hollywood in LA opened about 40 years ago, and it's been under sort of current ownership for the last 10 years or so where it's grown from the one stores up to the six today. That's super helpful. Could you dive a little bit into how Erewhon differs? So at its core, Erewhon is a grocery store, but how does Erewhon differ from a Sprouts or a Whole Foods or even a Gelson's on the West Coast? Yeah, for sure. So I, there's a couple of things. So the first is our cafe. I think the cafe is sort of the secret sauce or the secret engine of Erewhon that I think gets overlooked by a lot of people who think of it as more so a grocery store. We have incredible food, sort of chef-driven quality with almost 100% organic ingredients and at a price point that you can't get anywhere else. And so we sort of sit in between sitting down at a restaurant and going to more of a you know mainstream, fast, casual option for a meal. And so that is actually most people's introduction to Erewhon, right? It's more likely that a friend will say, hey, let's go, get, let's go grab lunch at Erewhon. You won't know what they're talking about and you'll come into the hot bar, you'll have some buffalo cauliflower and you'll be addicted to come back. And then maybe the next time you'll swing by our tonic bar and get a smoothie. And maybe the next time you'll grab a couple of groceries. And before you know it, uh, you're an Erewhon member and, and you're coming here four times a week. So the cafe is definitely the biggest differentiation. You know, I think a lot of the other larger grocery stores, some of the ones you mentioned, have cafe options, but they're certainly not drivers of traffic for anyone in that store. We have a lot of traffic. That's cafe. So that's yeah. sort of number one. Number two, on the grocery side, I think, you know, we like to position ourselves as what we think as sort of the very top at the very beginning of the innovation funnel and sort of food and beverage CPG and nutrition rather. And so we like to be you know, the first retail distribution for a lot of brands, both on the West Coast and not on the West Coast, because those brands know that our customers are coming to Erewhon as a place of discovery. And they are interested in spending you know, 30 to 60 minutes just browsing the aisles to see what's new, both in terms of the types of products we're carrying, but also the brands we're carrying. And so I think we can do that by staying fast, staying nimble. We can, we can get a brand approved and on our shelves in two weeks, which I think just takes a lot longer at, at some of the other larger chains just because of the way they're structured. 
and, and that'll change as we grow for sure. But I think that's why brands love to come into Air One. They know the, the type of brands they'll be put against on the shelf. They know that if we carry them, it sort of has a little bit of a stamp of approval in the consumer's minds that Air One has validated this product and that our customers are really coming to the shelves to find what's new. Yeah, that's an awesome answer. I think just to emphasize it, in a way, you're kind of revolutionizing the buyer model within grocery stores to make it more flexible. Like, I think if you think of traditional kind of category buying, right, the category buyer kind of has a planogram for the year that they'll maybe refresh once to twice a year. But then like what they kind of choose for that refresher is like what stays on shelf kind of no matter what. And and they have like no flexibility from a from a short term perspective. So it sounds like it's awesome because if you're a new emerging brand, you have a chance to get into Air One, no matter kind of what season it is during the year. Yet at the same time, I bet there is quite a lot of competition to kind of perform in Air One as a newly approved brand, knowing the fact that they may be willing to kind of take on a new brand at any given time and take you off the shelf. So I think it's interesting. It really is like it's a great showcase opportunity for a brand and also just like a great like time to prove that you can kind of perform. And then out of curiosity on your first point, like how does the business model kind of work for like a hot bar or like a smoothie bar within a grocery store? Is this like a high margin business that's driving like a good portion of the revenue for the overall store? Or is this more of like an equity play to just show that like you can have tremendously fresh, like great food within a grocery store? It's definitely the former. The cafe in particular is a fundamental part of our business. It is a, it's a very large chunk of our business. From a margin perspective, it kind of depends on how you look at it, right? Cost of goods sold for a restaurant are lower than for a grocery store. Labor involved is significantly more intensive and thus um, more expensive. It works for us because it's a hybrid approach, right? So we can have shared labor pools across grocery and cafe and shared customer traffic and shared rent and shared operating expenses against a a restaurant and a grocery store. So in that sense, it works, but certainly not not a brand play. It's it's a core part of our business from a brand perspective and also from a financial perspective. Amazing. And then the other question, I think like I'm a Southern California native. I was out on the East Coast for five or six years. And so like my only go-to is Whole Foods. Do you guys kind of see like just such a mass need for premium, better for you, kind of healthier grocery stores that just isn't really seeing like that much competition? And, and you guys kind of just felt like, you know, you guys could enter the market and take some of the share. Or do you guys see yourself as a completely like kind of different category within grocery store when you think kind of about the Whole Foods play? I think we'd be ignorant to assume that our customers don't also shop at Whole Foods. They certainly do. They'll shop at Trader Joe's. They'll shop at Bristol. Even if I think about myself, I don't get all of my groceries from a single store. I don't, I'm sure you guys don't either. I think what we feel is there's always a place for someone like an Air One or others like Air One to be pure play better for you, right? And so... You know, what's happened in the last couple of years of Whole Foods has really helped the Air One business because it sort of helped us stand apart even more so in that you can really feel good about pretty much everything we carry. And so I think there's room for that. And I think there's more Air One type stores. We certainly weren't the first. We won't be the last, you know, really pure, better for you stores popping up around the country in different markets where people feel good about going inside. But at the end of the day, you know, a lot of the products we carry are not exclusive to Air One. You can buy them at other stores. You may even be able to buy them cheaper at other stores, depending on where you're going. But that's where we like to back it up with the customer service, the experience of being in an Air One, and just the overall joy of being in the store. And just one more about like kind of the the strategy. Are you guys already kind of in the process or actively using like DTC capabilities and, and kind of like Insta delivery? I know Instacart and some of these third parties are really partnering with key retailers to, to drive even further convenience in terms of like 
route to market and so on for the consumer. Mm-hmm. Are you guys already kind of doing that as well, or is that in the plan? Yes, so to speak. So you know, we've been an Instacart partner for a long time. I think five or six years. We're one of their first customers in the LA market. They're a tremendous amount of business for us. COVID was interesting for us and and for everyone in the grocery world, really for everyone in in the world. But in our industry specifically, most grocery stores needed to quickly develop their own e-com model. And they realized they couldn't rely third party anymore. And we were one of those. And so, you know, within a week or two, we spun up our own, you know, let's call it direct to consumer, but basically airone.com online ordering. It was a terrible product. (laughs) We put it up in a week. But it got people a gallon of milk, and that's kind of all they needed. And, and that's evolved in the last 18 months. We've switched providers. And now we have what we consider like a best-in-class online ordering service where customers can order from us directly. We can control the experience. We can control the assortment. Our teams are, are picking the orders. They're communicating substitutions. We're delivering the product. Air One members are integrated for a full sort of omni-channel experience. And, th- and that took a long time to get there, but we're there now as of the last couple of months. But it's an interesting point you bring up around DTC because as I spent you know, a couple of years in the grocery industry, I've realized from a tech perspective, let's call it, or capabilities perspective, you know, we're certainly nowhere near any of even these DTC startups that we're seeing that have access to a lot more sort of web-based or e-com-based tools that we just don't live in. In the grocery world, I think we're light years ahead of most of our competitors, which is great. But as things start to move omni-channel and move online, there's a lot more we can be doing there that we're just kind of scratching the surface on. Speaking of the you guys developing your own e-commerce model, um, and I the it's beautiful on the site and it's a gorgeous experience. But I do you see a world in which you offer shipping to for specific like your own Erwan products? So you know the paleo bread and the granolas and some of the cookies that are like specific to Erwan. Do you do you see yourself ever offering a shipping model? Yeah, it's a good question. We get asked that probably a hundred times a week. Operationally, it's challenging because unless you're doing it yourself, you need to go 3PL um, and that's kind of a whole nother business model. But but the bigger issue is perishability of product. And so it's a double-edged sword that we use no preservatives in any of the product that we produce in-house because we're talking two, three, five, seven day shelf lives. And to start shipping that product, cold chain becomes incredibly difficult. So we ship product across the country in kind of a scrappy way, but we will ship only non-perishable product for now. So if someone in, in New York wants a, a heavenly greens juice with a three-day shelf life, there's just no way to get it there totally. for now. They just have to fly to LA, I guess. Exactly. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about how Erwan has become this mecca for early stage CPG brands. We talked to a ton of founders, Daniel and I, and you know their goal and one of their always key metrics is like, we're in Erwan or like, we're getting an Erwan. And it's it's that ring that people want to hear or they want to see. Or if you're on the shelf in Erwan, you've gotten, as you mentioned, like this stamp of approval in the CPG space. So how, what are you guys doing on the marketing side? And how has this been a thing that brands become, you know, that their goal is Erwan? Yeah. It's a really good question. So on the, I'll answer the second part first. On the marketing side, you know, it's impossible for us to market every brand that comes in the store because there are hundreds of new brands every month and, and probably thousands of brands at any point in time. But I think brands love to market themselves that they're in Erewhon, which, which we fully support. What, what I don't think people realize, brands realize, is it's incredible to get into Erewhon, but once you're there, it's a crowded shelf, right? And you may go into a mass market a grocery store and be the only better for you cereal on the shelf. And so you'll stand out. You may come into Erewhon and be one of six 
And when a consumer is spending 10 seconds looking at that shelf, they may all look the same, right? And so it's actually pretty challenging once you're in the store. Now, getting the store is an incredible um, feat for a lot of brands we've seen, and, and we're excited to get them there. But the competition is definitely tough, and it's hard for Airwan to market each and every brand. There's just there's just too many. As to how we got there, I mean, it's a it's a really interesting story. It's it's art, not science, for sure. You know, the owners Tony and Josephine are just incredible operators. They built the business very methodically from the one store they purchased to the six to seven we are today. And I I think you know slow and steady growth was very important, and they really stuck to their their principles and their mission for when they they set out to grow this business. Right. So our quality waivers have never standard. Our quality standards have never wavered. Uh, in fact, they've gotten tighter over time, right? So it's gotten we've gotten more strict as we continue to research more and more things, and and as our team develops perspectives on on what we want to allow and what we don't want to allow. So from the brand side, that's certainly helped, and it's it's created this uh, this aura within uh, the at least the LA market where it's a place where you can go and feel good about yourself. Totally, you've talked about these standards a, a couple of times. Can I obviously we don't need to go into in depth on like specific what are your standards, but on an overview, what are the things that you look for in these brands or some of the standards that are key for a brand to come into Erwan? Yeah. So, you know, cliche answer, it's art, not science. The science of it is there's a, a very lengthy unapproved ingredient list. I think most retailers have one of these. Ours is probably longer, where if you have one of these ingredients, you can't come in the store. And those are those are strict rules that we adhere by. And it's a mix of brands that are using those and brands that already are not using those. And even some of the better for you brands may be using certain ingredients, certain sugars, et cetera, that other retailers will allow that we just won't, at least for now, that, that might change. The art is much more important. The art is, you know, a feel around the taste profile, the packaging, the branding, the founder story, you know, how we feel about that category or that subcategory and shelf space that we're allocating and sort of all of those. And, and part of it is kind of right place, right time for when a brand applies. And if, if all of those kind of hit as we're thinking about the category at that time, some brands apply to come into Air One multiple times and on subsequent applications, they come in. Some kind of come in right on the first hit. It just kind of totally varies. What is your specific role at Air One and how does this kind of tie into all of these brands coming in? So my roles, my roles evolved a little bit. So I, I came into Air One as a chief of staff to Tony who's our CEO. And it was a very you know, nebulous role as that title kind of often conveys, where I had to just kind of come into the business and figure out what to work on. We're a very lean team with a lot of opportunity. And so I, I started coming in and working on a couple of different projects. We were working on e-commerce, we were working on the membership program, building a catering business, et cetera. That role's kind of evolved. So as of a couple months ago, I'm chief growth officer at Air One, and I kind of spend most of my time in two buckets of the business. So one is business strategy and ops. So thinking about, you know, what are the other sectors we should be getting in? How do we really think about e-commerce and driving that business? How do we think about our membership program and really driving, you know, targeted uh, membership offers and personalization across the experience? Uh, and the other half is marketing. And so thinking about the Air One brand, Air One marketing, and how do we really convey across all of our channels, the right content, and the right communications to our audiences? That makes total sense. And off of that point, I think it's really interesting to see how grocery stores market themselves. You know, you don't really think of a grocery store needing to market themselves. People need groceries. People need to go get food. It's kind of that natural thing. But we've seen new campaigns come across, you know, Whole Foods and and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about the new efforts that you guys are working on to 
brand Erwan in your own way, as opposed to just using consumers brand opinions about Erwan? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point. And so that's where I think we like to think Erwan stands apart from other retailers or grocery stores specifically, where, where most have a brand in that that's where you go to get groceries. Erwan has a brand of its own and a strong one at that. And so that's what we are starting to or trying to harness more, which is to develop the Erwan brand as a brand people can trust. That stands as both a retailer and a cafe where you can come discover, feel good, you know, work, get coffee, just spend time. And the other is for our products. And so, you know, if you walk into an Erwan, you'll see Erwan branded products kind of throughout the store across various categories. And our approach to, you know, private label branded product, whatever you might call it, is, is different than most retailers, right? So it, it will not be the cheapest on the shelf. It might be the most expensive item in the category, but it'll be the highest quality with the best certifications and sort of the best story behind it. And so, you know, we're trying to continue to build the Air One brand from our own channels as we continue to expand in LA and then, and then other markets as well. Yeah. One other question. What aisle of Air One do you feel like is A, the most crowded or B, the most ripe for innovation right now? The most crowded aisle is the beverage wall. So RTD beverages are very popular. So, you know, they'll take up more and more space to continue to build stores. I think Santa Monica must have a 30-foot refrigerated beverage wall with at least a couple hundred brands in it. It's the most crowded and it's also seeing the most, I don't know if I'll say innovation, but new brand entrance. Right? So we must get, you know, 50 new applications for RTD beverages every week or every month, of which a lot of end up coming in. And they're interesting. There's new flavors, there's new functions, but that continues to become a more and more sort of crowded space, but still getting eyeballs. In terms of ripe for innovation, that's a good question. I think snacking, I would say. I think when we look down our snacking aisle, I mean, naturally our snacking aisle will have probably more innovative products and brands than other grocery stores. But I think that's where we're starting to see more and more interesting products come in through our uh, through our applications for you know, different types of better for you snacking. Think dried fruits, nuts, cookies, crackers, and those kind of products. Totally. Uh, good to know. Yeah, no, the, uh, the the beverage wall at Air One is, is always a good one. I get so overwhelmed every time I'm there. Like, I don't know what I want to drink. I, I don't know if I want it to be fizzy or flat or yeah. fruity. And interestingly, or- it's, it's hard to merchandise too, right? I mean, you guys probably know this as well as we do. The lines are blurring in beverage, right? And, and function... Is kind of a tough word to use as a merchandiser now. And coconut waters could go next to sparkling seltzers. And, you know, you've got kombuchas and other probiotic-based beverages and, and the lines are blurring. And so our job as the store is to merchandise it such that it makes sense to the consumer. That's very hard to do. It's so hard. It's such a competitive space. And I'm always just trying to find my way towards like functional benefits that are differentiated when I pick up a beverage product. But it's just... So becoming so fragmented, but I guess that just makes it like more competitive for breakthrough innovation. So, I mean, it's an exciting time for beverages, but I agree. It's just, it's becoming pretty challenging to really be truly differentiated. Not that it's easy in food, but I just think it's even harder in beverage at this time. The other category that we're seeing a lot in, and you guys probably are too, is uh, the non-alcoholic space, right? So either uh, substitutions, replacements, just any innovation across that space just do really, really well at Erewhon. And it either could be from an actual functional perspective or a pure play uh, branding perspective as a as a replacement or substitute. Yeah, we, we're huge fans of uh, some of the non-alcoholic spirits that have come out. Obviously, like non-alcoholic beer is awesome as well, athletic. You got to check out non-alcoholic wine, this brand called Shirley. It's incredible. 
Uh, at some point, we'll have to introduce you to the founders there. It's an amazing brand, amazing product. So. Love it. We are going to move into our favorite section of the podcast, which is our rapid fire. So okay. we're going to ask you some random questions and kind of whatever comes to mind, you can give us an answer. Okay, here we go. So your favorite Air One product? My favorite Air One product is dough cookie dough. It's the best. It's vegan. It's gluten-free. You can eat it raw. They're incredible flavors. And it's just the best product we carry. Guilty pleasure. Street tacos in mid-city LA. Ooh. Favorite food? And I'm not biased here. An Air One combo plate is my favorite food. Faroe Island salmon, the kale wiping avocado salad. And if I'm feeling guilty, probably the buffalo cauliflower. So good. Oh, so good. Craziest product you've seen or tried at Erwan? Instead of product, I'll say a whole aisle. Aisle. The water aisle at Erwan is the craziest aisle I've ever seen. We probably sell 20 variations of still unflavored water that come from various sources in the world at varying price points. And you will still have customers browse the aisle and look for that one specific Italian mountain spring water that they want. And they all just crush it. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of the week filled with wellness, and we'll see you next time.